Hey, this is Trent Locher, and welcome to the Teaching ELA Podcast, where our goal is to help ELA teachers thrive in and out of the classroom. That's right. Episode one of the Teaching ELA Podcast. If you want to know what this podcast is about, just go back. Uh, podcast number zero is actually the first one, but we're not counting that because zero is not a counting number. I don't teach math. I teach ELA, so let's get a crack a lack in here. So uh, I'm sure that uh, your, your classroom, that you're uh, supposed to write on the board a daily objective. Am I correct? You call it an ICANN statement, a SW BAT statement, a learning objective, a learning target. And at my school, it's the ICANN statement, learning uh, learning target, ICANN statement, whatever. And and uh, and I, we have 90-minute classes here, which whether you're a fan of that or not, doesn't matter. If that's what your school teaches. That's what you teach. So we have to write objectives on the board. One in. And I go through a 90-minute lesson, and I must hit on 10 or 15 different objectives. So I could, I could write 10 or 15 I can statements, but A, that would take too long, and B, I don't want to do that. So what do I put up there? Well, this was always a struggle for me, and I kept noticing that I had the same objectives up there pretty much every day. And there was one that I kept seeing over and over and over, and that was... I. I kept writing up there, I can cite textual evidence to support analysis in one way or another. Every single class. And I started kind of feeling like, gee, is that all I'm really doing? And then I happened to come across a book called The One Thing by Gary Keller. And it talked about this very phenomenon. Now, it's not an education book. It's a goal. It's a book about goals and habits and how to achieve our goals. And, of course, our goals as teachers is to help our students become, to help students become great readers, writers, and thinkers and speakers. And I started looking at uh, the concept of the one thing. And the one thing forces you to ask a question, which is, what's the one thing I can do so that by doing it, everything else becomes either no longer necessary or easier? And that's the question I started asking myself after I read the book. And I applied it to teaching. The thing is, I'd always been applying it. I just didn't realize it. And I was feeling guilty about it. Turns out I didn't need to feel guilty about it. I should have been giving myself a pat on the back. And so I, I rephrase that as an ELA teacher. What is the one learning target that I can teach my students that by so doing it, every other learning target becomes either easier or no longer necessary? And then it occurred to me that I'd been doing it all along. I'm so awesome. No, I'm just kidding. It was a kind of dumb luck, maybe. I don't know. Whatever it was, it works. And that one standard is I can cite textual evidence to support analysis. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, wow, Trent, podcast number one, and, and this is this is what you got for me. Well, I'm telling you right now, this is this is the kind of stuff that changes careers. Whether it be the one teaching standard, it could be the one habit, the one thing you do after school, the one thing you do when you walk into your classroom, the one thing you do when class starts. There is something that you can do to make everything else either no longer necessary or easier to do. And in the case of teaching standards, I have found that this was one. Now, it's not the only thing I do, right? It's not the only thing I do. But by doing this one thing, it is the one thing I do. Because by doing it, everything else becomes easier. I'm going to, you can't see this, but I am, I have in front of me right now. I've taught it. I've taught in uh, three different states for, uh, let me see, how many, five, five different schools I've taught. I've taught middle school. I've taught high school, taught English, taught social studies. I've taught honors. I've taught basic reading. You name it, I've taught it. And I'm looking over the reading literary standards and cite textual evidence to support analysis. In the state of South Carolina, that's uh, standard 5.1. And uh, the ELA Common Core Standards, it's 1.1 or something like that. I don't have that in front of me. I, I had it memorized before this podcast started. 
uh, in the state of Nevada, similar. It, it's in all of them. Cite textual evidence to support analysis. So I'm looking at that, and I'm looking below it. It says determine and analyze the theme. Wasn't well, that the same thing? If my students know how to cite textual evidence to support analysis, doesn't teaching them to determine and analyze the theme become really, really easy or really not even necessary? Because why are they citing literary evidence if they're not determining and analyzing the theme? It's what they're doing. So when I teach my students to cite textual evidence to support analysis, I am helping them determine and analyze the theme. I'm also helping them analyze character and event development, which is standard 8.1. Get what I'm saying? And they're also analyzing author's point of view, purpose, and perspective. And they're also analyzing plot. And they're also analyzing author's choice of structure. So all, all this comes from one standard, citing textual evidence to support analysis. By, by teaching them to master this standard, you're making these other standards either no longer necessary to teach or a lot easier. Let's go over if, if you come down, and it's, this, it's similar if you're talking about uh, non, uh, informational, informational reading. It's, it's called their site significant textual evidence. And then 6.1, and I'm, I'm talking about the state of South Carolina where I used to teach. Determine and analyze the central idea of a text. If students know how to cite textual evidence, then you can certainly easily teach them to determine and analyze the central idea of a text. If they don't know how to cite textual evidence, you're in trouble. All right. Other ones, determine figurative, connotative, or technical meanings of words. Does that directly apply? Maybe, maybe not, but I can tell you this. If your students know how to cite textual evidence, you don't have to worry about that anymore. You can help them do things like context clues, uh, connotative meaning, other things that show up on our standards. What about writing? Analyze ideas and information from texts and multimedia. Again, if a student knows how to cite textual evidence, your ability to teach analyzing ideas and information from text and multimedia is so much easier. But what about grammar, Trent? What about punctuation and spelling? Again, if, if you don't have to worry about, let's say you assign a, a, uh, an essay, and you don't have to worry about them citing, if they already know how to cite textual evidence, they already know how to analyze, this is the hard part, they know how to analyze and cite textual evidence, then you can take time. You can take time. I'm pounding the table right now because I'm so excited about this. You can then take the time to have them actually revise and proofread. So you don't have to worry about them missing the big point. Because if you're reading... You know, if you're assigning an analysis essay and all you get are summaries, well, you're going to be frustrated and you're going to have to teach that. But if they have citing textual evidence to support analysis down, think of all the time you can use to, to touch on grammar and punctuation and spelling and all that. All my lesson plans, all my literature lesson plans, whether it's short story, poetry, novels, at the heart of each lesson is that one skill. That is the one thing I teach that by doing so makes everything else easier or no longer necessary. And once my students master it, and they do, I, they, they have to master it or we don't move on. Once my students master that skill, my job becomes so much easier. That's why if, you, if, you're, if you're ever on my website, elacommoncorelessonplans.com, again, I'm going to repeat it because there are so many awesome lesson plans on there. I want to make sure you have access to that, elacommoncorelessonplans.com. Every lesson plan has that at the heart of it, whether it's identifying images, identifying metaphors, identifying theme, identifying conflict, all those. At the heart of it is citing textual evidence and then taking that evidence, coming up with an explanation, tying it back into something important. So that is the one standard I focus on. And if, if you're having trouble focusing on that standard or teaching that standard, I got a ton, ton, ton of stuff at elacommoncorelessonplans.com. A lot of it's free. Go there. Click on the PDFs. will benefit from teaching the one standard 
I like to call it the one standard that rules them all. Well, I'm going to dive in a little bit deeper on this topic in future podcasts. For example, how I te- the one thing I use to teach this one thing. But for now, I am done speaking. I really do appreciate you turning into the Teaching ELA podcast episode number one. Very exciting. Now, of course, some of you may be backtracking. You thought you listened to like episode 49 and you're like, man, this was awesome. I got to go back to the start. And you'll probably notice that uh, episode 49, I was probably a lot better at podcasting. But uh, the information here, for those of you who are actually listening to episode one in real time, I don't mean real time like you're in this room with me right now. I'm in a tiny room right out in my tiny office next to my classroom without walls. But that's another discussion. Oh, see, I told you. (laughs) Hear that? That's an actual bell from an actual school. So I'm not making this up. I am early out of school. If you're listening to this when it comes out, awesome. Thank you for being on board. If you're listening to this in the future, then I'm glad you came back and caught it. I'm telling you, focusing on this standard will change the way you teach.